you don't need to know the answers right now. You just need to have the right questions. That's and then true. that will be able to guide you to where you need to go. Welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. I am Rick Jordan and I am here with an awesome guest. We connected on social media. This is Nancy Sabino. And I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing your last name right, am I? Yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's Sabino with a B and I confuse people all the time. Uh, it's not a V, it's a B. So anyway, but yes, I am Nancy Sabino. Uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, I there's a lot of shows that are out there and I've been guests on shows too, to where there some host I've seen that will be like, oh, I only want celebrities. And, you know, just to try to raise their show up in status. I'm like, you kidding me? I'm like, I don't care. At some point, it'd be great to reach millions of people, which is really cool. But what millions of people also want to see is other millions of people just like them. Exactly. You know, and that's you and I. <laughs> We're just like them. You know, so that's I just want to talk with really interesting people. And I could tell even in the DMs back and forth on, on Instagram that you're an interesting person. And I want to I want to peel those layers back today. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yes. So what's really cool, and this is one thing that I noticed that was interesting, right? Because obviously I'd look up your profile on Instagram as soon as you reached to me. And I see you were in the same industry you know, as far as our, our core business goes, which is IT, cybersecurity. And when I looked at your Instagram profile, I saw, because you're sleeveless right now, I saw the yep. tattoos. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. This is really cool because it tells me a little bit about you that you're not ashamed to say who you are. No. Uh, no, so, absolutely not. I, well, to be honest, uh, the tattoos are actually kind of new. Um, so I turned 30 a couple years ago and cool. I was like, I'm, I'm done trying to hide or pretend or however else. And so um, since I have my own business, I think I also have that liberty of saying, well, if you don't want to do business with me because you don't like my tattoos or yeah. you don't agree with it, well, then screw you. So um, it's okay. <laughs> Sorry, can I say that? You can say whatever. <laughs> Okay, so that's uh, pretty much what happened. I said, ever since I was young, I had wanted to be covered in tattoos. And I said, if I were a rock star, uh, I would do it. And then I turned 30 and it was like, you know what, I am a rock star. So why not? <laughs> that's awesome. That's a cool self-image of yourself, you know, and a self-image of yourself, self, self. Squirrel! I feel like I'm repeating myself in my own head. It's okay. <laughs> just go with it because there's another thing on the show called squirrels and it's just little brain <laughs> loopers that I, I chase and it will, I, I promise I'll always bring it back home. You know, sure. so if something weird comes out of my mouth and I start talking about, well, you know, scotch or bourbon or whatever else, it's just a, it's just a squirrel that we're going to chase for a couple of minutes. <laughs> but back to the tattoos, there's something that you said that really, really gripped me that I thought was interesting. You said that you were done hiding. Oh, and, yes. Yeah. And that's because uh, on the, I've got all the tech stuff, you know, speaking and everything, but I'm also an ordained pastor and it's not, it's not like a spiritual thing, but I catch on to these interesting phrases that people say because no matter what there's always stuff that gives little clues about who you are and mm -hmm. I, I knew we were going to have some fun with this you know <laughs> as, as we're going to peel back the later layers so you said i i'm not going to hide you know anymore and implying that you were at some point in time mm -hmm. so was this like a like a coming out in some way for you where you're like you know what this is really who i am i want to show the world who i am yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, for me, and it's, I think it's kind of funny that you say that um, you're an ordained um, pastor. Yeah, yeah, okay. you got it. Um, and 
so my background of my family growing up was highly religious. Um, yeah. One of the, um, what are they called? Second, um, second coming type of religions. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it was a very strict um, foundational religion and um, I never felt like I truly fit in and it wasn't really my ideals. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what it was. It was a little bit of that. Uh, it was a little bit of starting my business at 22 and feeling like I needed to pretend to be an older person so that I could be listened to oh, and yeah. Yeah. respected and so on and so forth. So it was a little bit of both where it was just like, I've done too much of that and I'm done. That's pretty cool. I, I remember because I'm, I'm 40, so I'm a few years ahead of you. Not that many, <laughs> but I remember thinking the same way, especially in my early 20s, that I felt like it was a need to fit in with the crowd that I thought was maybe more wise than me, but also feeling that, wait, I'm pretty smart too. I have good stuff that you should listen to. Uh, it, that's how, how I felt at that time. And uh, it sounds you were very similar. Uh, even though I recognize now that there's a lot more, of course, that I know now, there's a lot more that you know now than you did when we were both 22 years old. But still, it was, I remember that feeling, like the, the, the drive to want to be able to fit in a position of advice or, or advisory to those who I was working with. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, but it wasn't, um, for me, I remember it wasn't like a, it wasn't an ego thing. It was more of, it, maybe you can resonate with this. You tell me. For me, it was more of a, I really want to help a lot of people. Oh, yeah. No, that's exactly what it was. That was the the driving force right there. So it was, it was almost like um, I will take a step back of myself in order to be able to help a lot of people. If yeah. this is what it means, like if it means that I can't uh, fully be a hundred percent myself out there in order to get that stage, then that's fine. I'll do that for now. Sure. Um, and that's kind of how it started out. And then um, eventually, I think I turned 30 and it was just like, yes, I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> that's the line, 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it was kind of like at that point, everybody, I, everybody knew. Um, I just, I came out of that age closet or whatever. And our, our clients were like, really? You're 30? And it was like, yeah, think about that. You've been listening to a 22-year-old for the last... Oh, my gosh. There's <laughs> got to be there's gotta be like a tipping point in that, too, because it's like when you're 13 years old, you just want to be 18 because you think that that's going to be all the freedom in the world. Then when you're 18, you want to be 21 because that's drinking age. Yep. And then when you're 21, you just want to be 30 so people will listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, What's that's, the next stage? <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question. Because I mean, I, you know, I hit 40 just a few months ago. And now it's like, well, shoot, you know, this wasn't anything. I don't feel any different. You know, I, I'm the most energetic I've been in my whole life. So, you know, I guess maybe it's a little bit more of a, of a confidence thing. Because I, I care, I care more and I care less about what people think about me now. You know, and it's, it's a weird dichotomy with that because I care more because it comes back to the whole thing like you and I want to help a lot of people. So I care more what people think about me in that aspect, but I care less, meaning that there's less of a filter, but I've learned how to balance 
the the directness you know of course i'm still working on it because a lot of people just say man you're just really just straight up and uh, yeah i am but <laughs> i've learned to balance that directness kind of like what we were talking about pre-show with compassion you yeah. know and and try to change my tone a little bit when i come across that way or when i give something direct you know i also try to smile more and i learned that you can <laughs> you can you can really you can tell somebody that they suck with a smile on your face and it's not it's not <laughs> It's not, it's not saying like you're, you're being weird about it or mean about it. You know, like you're laughing that they suck so bad. It's like, no saying, I see what's going on here. And I also want to be able to help at the same time because I might've been in your shoes. Yeah. Oh no, exactly. And I feel like that's something that I've learned along the way, you know, recently as well. It's, it's one of those where, um, I, I can be compassionate. I can uh, flex my communication style if um, that's what's needed in order to get the point across or to help somebody else. It doesn't change me or who I am or I don't have to um, hide, essentially yeah. speaking, taking it back to that. Um, but I can get my point across and I can, get, I can help somebody as long as I can also figure out what is their right way of hearing what I have to say. So it's, yeah, I, right. I like the, the fact that it's like, um, not only can you um, tell them, hey, you suck um, with a smile on your face, but then also like at what level will they actually hear it and understand it to, so that they can progress from that? So that's something that um, I've learned. And the, it all comes from, I think, the age, the confidence factor, yeah. because yeah. you're right. It, um, I feel like it's, it is both, but I think that a large part of the, like, I, um, I care about what people think for me comes as an acceptance that I do care about what people think and not like a rebellious, um, I don't give a type of mentality. <laughs> I can't, you care what they think. And I'm in the same boat as you, you care what they think because you want to see them better themselves. Yes. You know, oh, yeah. If there's a, if there's a barrier, at least this is the way it is for me. If there's a barrier that I can help remove, even if it's something about me to help them take that next step, then I will. As long as it's not an ethical compromise for me, then I'll do really whatever I can, you know, in the moments from a place of compassion to try to help them get to that next step mm -hmm. and remove those barriers. That's really cool. You know, that we're kind of kindred spirits, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Sometimes you just have senses about people, you know? <laughs> and I, I mean, I mean, coming back to the tattoos, you know, just briefly, I knew there was reasons behind that. There, are, there typically always is, you know, unless you're drunk in Vegas or something, and you're just like, "Hey, I just, <laughs> <laughs> let's go do it." <laughs> I don't have any of those yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad thing that you don't, you know, because that means right now they mean something, you know. But maybe in the moment, you know, it was because what does being drunk do? It just removes some inhibitions to who you actually are in the first place, right? Yeah. So you exactly. always have that, that little bit in side just like I want something to remember this night whatever it is I don't know Maybe it was like 2 a.m. I remember that I saw chain smokers in Vegas a while back at two o'clock in the morning at excess and that was a really cool night you know I'm not gonna get a tattoo for it you know <laughs> <laughs> pictures instead it's good <laughs> yeah right on but it's cool because I see that and that's that's your thing me it's the clothes that I wear you know it's a reflection of uh, it's a reflection on the outside for who you and I am on the inside Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I put it. Um, when talking to people, it was like, I, I literally wanted to wear my heart on my sleeve. And that's yeah. what I did. <laughs> that's so awesome. Very cool. 
So how does this fly? Because it's really cool. You know, I'd like to dive into the business side a little bit. If that's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, you know, the show's all in, and this is how we come from. We come from a very human perspective of this stuff, and this is everyone loves to hear these stories. That's how it is. But then, how do we apply it to what we do day in and day out? Yeah, I I love this because we're in the same industry. I know what it's like to sit on the side of the desk across from a prospect or from a client and just almost want to reach across at some point in time and just wring their neck and be like, you just don't get it. <laughs> Let me help you yes, is what I say. <laughs> exactly. I know I can help you. Yes, it's going to cost money. Everything does. Yes, it might cost a lot of money at some times, but it's going to cost you more further down the road if you don't do that. I mean, there's tons of things, phrases we could say, rebuttals, all of that. But it comes from that place of compassion too. And that's one reason why I'm sure you're in the same industry. You know, how did you get into IT? Was it way back, you know, when you're 22, like, Hey, I want to get tattoos and be in IT. That's what I want. <laughs> no, that, that's not how I started off at all. Um, so the tattoos, yes, I always had that in mind, but not in the same way, but, um, the IT aspect of it. Uh, so my husband and I, we, this story actually starts with both of us. Um, and so we are high school sweethearts. We met as juniors in high school. Um, we left home, uh, not too long after that together and decided we wanted to be adults and start our lives. Um, and so he got an internship for an IT company, uh, a local break fix, um, kind of geek squad type shop. And, um, he went to intern for them on the tech side. I then followed and interned for them on the business side. Uh, so oh, interesting. managing their books and, and things like that. Okay. Um, and so after several years, it was like, you know what, we think ideas being thrown at the owners and stuff like that and them not being receptive. So at the age of 22, um, we had two kids by that time, a three-year-old and a baby. And we were like, we could just, we could do this better. I'm sure that we can help people in yeah. different ways. Um, and so we decided let's do it on our own. And that's kind of how it started. Um, it was just him and I from the very beginning. And so because of that, it was, it got to the point where he needed help and I had to jump in and learn the IT side as well. And ever since then, I've loved it. <laughs> Interesting. So you started on the business side. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur since birth. Um, that's what I like to, huh. to say. <laughs> It's usually, it, that's interesting, especially to me being in this industry, because you know, most of the time it's the reverse. You know, it's the techs that might get fired or laid off or something like that, or, you know, disgruntled where they're at and be like, screw this, I can do it on my own. And they're just out there doing the same job, really making less money because they don't really know how to run the business side. They don't know how to scale beyond themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, but in you know, I, I did that too, except I worked in business. You know, I, I wrote sales programs for Best Buy. You know, I was the first Geek Squad agent in Chicago during the whole launch of this stuff. The, I understand the model really well, but I was always involved in the business side. So I was like both of them. But then I like to say that I came over to the dark side you know, <laughs> and did just sales and business, you know, about six years ago. And that's when things really started taking off in my own MSP. But mm -hmm. you started on the complete opposite end and then you like came over to the light. You like became a Jedi, you know, you, you were the, <laughs> I don't know about that. You were the dark side, you know, emperor at one point. <laughs> and then you came over and like, you know what, I'm going to do some good. I mean, I'm going to fix some stuff, you know, no, I, I'm just totally messing with you. But it's, it's interesting because it's a complete 180 from what we see in yes. our industry for the most part. 
Yeah. And, and it's funny too, because it's, um, it is a 180 for me. So my story is very much that way, but it's the opposite for my husband. Um, so since he was the technical aspect of it for so long, and then it got to the point of, you need to know the books, you need to know, um, all of this. And then we have to be able to make businesses together. So then yeah. he learned the business aspect, learned to love that. So now it, it was like, okay, we're, we're a dynamic duo. We can keep going. Um, and so that's kind of how um, we came about. And I decided I, I'm going to stick with the business side more <laughs> just because yeah. that is, it's always been my passion and he sticks to the uh, technical side and then we kind of just run the business together. <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool. Is it the two of you right now? Do you have staff? We do have staff now. Um, we've gone through so much in our business. We've yeah. uh, expanded and trunk. And so right now um, we're, we do have some staff and we're a pretty good team at the moment. That's awesome. Really cool. So what do you like so much about the business side? Because you started there and then you transitioned over, not transitioned, but added, I guess, the technical side. But you're saying you love, love, love the business side. I do too, personally. I'm with you on that. I think it's more intriguing because it gets more into the psychology of people. Yes. Business is very much psychology. It, it really is, you know, especially sales, everything else that versus, you know, the tech side, yes, there's problem solving, but for the most part, it's kind of black and white. Yeah. And that's what, um, because it's funny being in our industry, it is like zeros and ones. You just have yeah. to find out like, where are they <laughs> or uh, how, what sequence are they going to work? So it's very much logical. Um, whereas on the business side, it is, it fluctuates and there's so many things that are variables. And so for me, that's the exciting part of it is oh, yeah. Yeah. The problem solving in a different way. That's not in a logical sense, because the same way that you solved a problem in one aspect is then going to be the same way in another. And so that part of, is so exciting to me when it comes to a business. That's cool. And you can tell that that's really where you stem from. But one thing you said that's interesting to me, because I'm tracking the timeline of your life in my head, where it was 22 <laughs> to where your husband and you, which you got married early you know, in, yes. in life. Yeah. My wife and I were married when I was 21 and she was 20. So, you know, also early. Uh, this year, shoot, it's going to be like 19 years this year. You know, my, oh, my twins are going to be, thanks. <laughs> my twins are going to be 13 in June. You know, my youngest is 10. It's crazy. They're like the, the they're the same size as full size adults now, you know, which is the craziest thing to me. <laughs> but now it's no longer like one hotel room when we go somewhere, you know, it has to be oh, a yeah. villa or it has to be two rooms. Yeah, uh, and we're we're even cool with staying. See, this is the squirrel that I'm talking about. You know, we're we're even cool squirrel. staying on different floors as our kids now. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, I've got Marriott status. You know, the highest level ambassador, so they'll always upgrade one of them to like an awesome suite. I'm like, all right, kids, you're on the second floor in the double queen room. We're going up. We've got like a the presidential upstairs. Okay, this is how this is gonna be. See ya. Exactly, but it, it's intriguing to me for you. See, now we're right back. See, circle. We come. Right back. <laughs> that you jumped into the business where your husband was working, you know, is that where you guys met? Was that that company? Yeah, no, we, we met school. in high school. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he was a gamer. Um, and uh, back then there was LAN gaming. Um, oh yeah. People would <laughs> so, carry around this big old honking desktops to play. Yeah. I remember that. I never did that. I was more like an Xbox dude, but it's easier to carry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So we met a few friends through there, and so they opened a, the, a computer repair shop. And so that's where we eventually got the invite to intern and, and eventually get hired through them. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So what age did you start there? 
Um, right out of high school. So 18. That's so cool. So you were on the business side and you were telling a company how to run the business side of their business when you were 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So it was seeing the patterns when it came to the books and how, where money was going and and so on, where, how money was coming in, where it was coming in from. So it was all things that I was like, wait a minute, I see this. And so what if we start doing some of these things? And, you know, some things were uh, considered and some things weren't, but ultimately it was a great experience for me. That's awesome. Well, you were 18. I mean, why should they listen to everything that you say? Exactly. I couldn't (laughs) wait till I was 30. (laughs) You've arrived. Yes. (laughs) Couldn't even drink back then. And you're like, you're telling them, you know, I don't know if you did or not, but hey, you could, you weren't supposed to supposedly, but you were telling them, hey, this is what you need to do with your business. Yeah. Stop spending money on alcohol on the weekends, you know, and then, then just feed it back into marketing or something. Would you, you know, I can't drink, so That's you right. shouldn't either. I don't know if that was what you're <laughs> No, it, we had ideas like uh, contracts from um, very way back then. And so Recurring that's revenue. one of the, Yes, recurring yeah. revenue. We had those ideas way back then. And it wasn't until we started our own business that we were like, well, we can actually do something with that. Um, and even then throughout the years that changed. And now it's a completely different business than what we had even when we yeah. first started. Yeah, absolutely. It is. This industry shifts so much. Yeah. yeah and we're, we've even seen it now the past couple months, so, some more big shifts in our industry, especially because of COVID. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting to me because I feel that there's a lot of maybe it's smaller MSPs and larger MSPs. I think the ones in the mid range, probably like you and I, you know, I'm talking smaller, like 300 K minus, you know, in revenue and then mm-hmm. larger meaning like 5 million plus are probably thinking that, Hey, we're just going to try to ride this out and things are going to get back to normal. I see that a lot out there. I don't know what you see, you know, if you have a mm-hmm. lot of peers in the industry or not, but that's, that's my gauge is their perspective on that. And I think it's extremely flawed. Oh Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, For us, it's been a matter of, well, one, I think since we've changed our business model in 2016 to the one that we currently have now, it has definitely been like a thank God that we did when we did because that is saving us at the moment. From the clients that we're servicing to the way that we're servicing them, all of everything that we've built with this new model has saved us up to date. But now it's the time that it's like, what are we supposed to do if things change? So if people don't want to go back to their offices, because that's what they're saying is going to be the new norm, what is that going to look like for us? Uh, What are we going to have to change within our model or within our business in order to make that easier for them? Who are we going to be able to help um, and who who will not uh, be serviceable or uh, have value from our service yeah, if yeah. we don't actually, if we can't provide that. I still feel that everyone will, of course, have value from services that you offer. You know, and this is probably the shift. So to your points, you've already hit the nail on the head, you know, and that, hey, what if they don't go back to their offices ever? You know, yeah. maybe they're going to be a remote workforce. And there's probably some MSPs that are peeing their pants right now just because you said that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, man, what do I do? You know, I'm billing like if they don't have the server anymore, you know, that's what I'm billing 500 bucks a month for or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a shift. And I don't know what business model you follow, but I, we look at it and reach out from a very human perspective. And regardless of where 
those devices or those resources, those technical resources are at, it's still the people that need to be managed and their needs need to be managed more than the technology itself. Oh, yes. I don't know if you can (laughs) see me smiling from ear to ear because absolutely, that's the uh, one thing that I always like to say within our business is it's humans first. Yes. Yes. Sure, yeah. the technology it needs to be fixed or whatever, but there is we have to we have to work with people first, and we have to help them through their problems first. And that's what I tell my techs all the time. Like if somebody's calling us because they're frustrated because something isn't working, what needs to be done first is you need to reassure them that we can fix the problem yeah. because yeah. it's their their point of view in their experience that's going to make all the difference between whatever we do with the technology to get it back up and running. So it's, it's always humans first. And that's one thing that it's, it's so rare within our industry that I like, it just makes me smile. (laughs) Well, engineers, you know, and this is probably because you started on the dark side, you know, (laughs) it could be, yeah, but a lot of engineers, and this isn't necessarily wrong. This is just the way that they're wired from what I've seen is that, hey, there's a problem. I'm going to fix that thing. Yeah. You know, it's like there's a screw that's like a little bit out of the wall. I need to screw that sucker back in. You know, I need to, that's where the brain goes and it's tunnel vision. And it, it's cool because it's like laser focus on that thing. But then it's also not cool because it's not looking at the global issues that might exist. You know, tech, here's something, it's like an epiphany. You ready for this? If humans didn't touch computers, we probably wouldn't have businesses. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like, you know, I, I always wondered, and I've never done this because I looked at MSP models 10 years ago and this is where I think it's shifted a little bit now, but it was like, Hey, we're going to charge five, 600 bucks a month for the server because that's the thing, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's running the whole network and all of that. We're going to charge you 50 bucks per computer, you know, per workstation or PC. Yep. I'm like, that's not really to your phrase. That's not really humans first because the server is probably the most stable freaking thing that exists because a person never touches it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sure that it's going to take some work, but I mean, ultimately speaking, it's, it's just another computer, just bigger. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. But without a human yeah, exactly. You know, it's just like storing stuff and files and everything else. Of course, you know, this is oversimplifying it because we know that they still can't have issues, but it's not really that that ever like goes bonkers and haywire. It's when people get in and it's like, you know, well, if you think that's like the engine of your car or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that people push on the gas pedal and people, <laughs> you know, will have crazy braking patterns, you know, and mm-hmm. crazy acceleration patterns. And that's really what taxes the vehicle and the engine. It's when the person gets in there. If you have the same two cars side by side, you know, we'll call it, I don't know, an Aston Martin because I like <laughs> Aston Martins. But, you know, if, if I'm driving this one over here, you know, versus some other person that's driving the one right next to me, mine might need a little more maintenance because I love taking off the line pretty quickly you know, <laughs> all the time. Which is a, yeah, that's a great way to explain it because that's exactly what it is. And what, what I like to think about it is, is it's also the planning aspect of it. So, yeah. it, you know, everybody's server isn't going to be the same and not everyone's going to use it the same. And so the planning aspect of it's also going to make a complete difference. 
You're dead on. If, if our industry can, you know, just extract out of the technical side of it a little more, and this is part of it, you know, cause we're talking about the shift now after COVID, if somebody doesn't, if a client doesn't go back to their office, you know, what are we going to do? It's, okay. it's not a time to panic because when it's the realization, you can get over the hump in your mind that whether it's in the cloud, whether it's a virtual PC or a physical tangible desktop in an office somewhere, they still need the same amount of management, same amount of planning, same mm-hmm. amount of strategy as anybody else because it's still the people doing the same stuff. Exactly. And if not more, to be honest, uh, right and that's, that's how I think about it now. Um, we're thinking of what processes do we need to come up with now if clients do have a decide to just stay at work from home. So yeah. when you're onboarding a new employee, what does that person need in order to be able to work from home? Will the company provide it all? And then who's going to purchase it and so on and so forth. So we're coming up with processes now that we're going to be able to put in place so that our clients can just call us and say, Hey, we have Bobby Sue starting on Monday um, at her house. This is the address. She needs all those things shipped and she'd be ready to go. So it's like, there's definitely ways to, to be able to work with that, to continue that and to be able to provide, we're still needed no matter what Um, that sense of ever now. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, uh, it's taking the pulse on, on the situation, on the environment, on the atmosphere, you know, to your point, you know, we're making adjustments, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too technical, but it's even as simple as, you know, in December, there was a, everybody, Zoom is a freaking household name now. Everybody <laughs> know, everybody in the world knows what Zoom is when even like last year it was like, oh, what's Zoom? You know, when I'd be meet, meeting with clients or prospects or whatever, and, you know, because there were still the legacy industry standards like WebEx or GoToMeeting that have existed for many, many years, those applications. You know, even though Zoom's been around for well over a decade at this point, yep. now, now it's just been thrust into the spotlight, you know, even with the security flaws and everything else. Mm-hmm. But we're on it right now. This is how we're doing the freaking podcast. <laughs> you know, but they just had 10 million users in December of last year. And as of March, the end of March, they had 200 million users on that. So noticing that shift to your point, you know, a lot of automation, when there's a new person that comes on, we've said, Hey, this is the current state of the marketplace. It's almost like when the iPhone came out and they took over market share, we recognize, you know what, there's a new big boy on the block and we need to adapt to this. And that's why now, even in automation with new people that come on board, new employees. I was just told this by my people the other day. I don't do this. I got smart people. You know, they, they, they came like, you know what? We are pushing out Zoom for every new employer right now because where it might've been one person, two people in a 50 employee company, a small business, you know, two months ago. Now it's everybody, everybody. needs Zoom. Yeah. Every single person. It is a standard app just like Google Chrome is or Safari on a Mac or whatever it is, it is, or Microsoft Word. You know, it is now a standard app that pretty much everybody in the business world needs. Because okay. if they're not using it themselves within their organization, I'm sure they're collaborating with a vendor, a client, a customer, whatever that is. Yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think that if, if you don't pay attention to those trends, um, to what is coming, then you're going to be left behind, which is kind of sad uh, within our industry because we're a technical industry. So it is yeah. something that's happened so many times within technology space from Netflix to um, like the iPhone and so on and so forth. So for sure, I feel like... It, as as MSPs, that's one thing that we have to be able to do is take a look around at the business uh, area in general and say, hey, this this shift is coming and we need to prepare for it. 
Yeah, it's it's a, to your point, it's really almost already happened now at this point. I mean, there is a shift, but now the MSPs, like I said, at those extreme ends, I think the ones in the middle, because those are really the ones that are kind of like you and I were growing substantially versus some others that might have just been starting out, which I feel really bad for them because it's, it's, it was a bad time to open a business. <laughs> but it was also a really good time to open a business. You know, when I was laid off in 2008 or sorry, 2007, that's when I started on my own too. I built this in the middle of a recession. You know, and I know that there's amazing things that can happen in the middle of the recession as long as you can actually meet the need. And it's not so much of having the right solution, but it's being able to ask the right questions mm-hmm. that will help propel you along. That's oh, the difference. Yeah. You know, you don't need to know the answers right now. You just need to have the right questions. That's and then true. that will be able to guide you to where you need to go. You know, I, I, again, I don't want to go. Or ignorance, to be honest, because yeah. um, I'm like, or ignorance, to be honest, because when we started our company, the um, we started off as break fix. So we took the essentially the same thing that was being done, some contracts plus the break fix residential work like Geek Squad in 2008. Yeah. And in the middle of a recession, absolutely we had no idea that there was a recession going on being 22 at the time and with little kids. So we had no idea. And we, we made it through there. Um, and then we changed to the MSP model in 2016. So that's awesome. That was probably the best choice you could ever make, huh? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I know know, it's, it's interesting because I, I'm doing a lot of acquisitions right now also, you know, so I'm doubling down, reach out is going public this year, which is really cool. And looking at some of the targets, yeah, it's, and this is key too for anyone that's out there. I think this is the first time I've said this on a show too, is you look at pre-COVID valuations and post-COVID valuations, meaning what's your business worth? Mm-hmm. And multiples have shrunken substantially you know, oh, yeah. since that because there's, a, there's the expectation of a lot of people in our industry just going away. And that's really sad. There's a consolidation that's going to take place. And now is either the time to put your foot on the gas and drive forward hard in offense, not defense, mm-hmm. you know, or it's time to think about maybe teaming up with somebody. If it's a merger or maybe selling, you know, because you'll have a stable paycheck at that point. You know, if you don't think that you can make this through and you think that you're going to sit there just doing nothing and wait this out, you're already dead. Because mm-hmm. uh, you look at the valuations, and this was so intriguing. Because I love numbers, you know, as I'm sure you do. You know, you, you were giving, you were doing business and finance, you know, back when you were 18 years old. Uh, but the valuations, you know, it used to be like a four to X multiplier of EBITDA. Now mm-hmm. it's more like a two to five multiplier of EBITDA because it's shrunken post COVID. But what that what tips that scale towards the higher end of the multiplier is the percentage of recurring revenue that you have. Yes. You got yeah. it. So, you know, like us, we are 70% MRR in High our five. Yeah. It's a, that's something. Thanks. Zoom five. <laughs> <That's another. laughs> that to your point, that's something that I shifted to many years ago. And I only did break fix right when I started and I get it because that's how you kind of have to be. You're, you just, you're starting out and you're taking anything that, that can wave a dollar at you. Oh yeah. You know, because you need your bills. It for cash flow. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right on. But then it, when there was the opportune time, I'm talking like six months into it. I'm not talking like I waited years or anything, but six months into it is like, okay, now we need to convert the few clients that we have. They, they've seen the value and there's nobody else from this point forward that I'm going to take on unless it's on a managed services contract in, in agreement. And when I say contract, I don't mean contract because I don't do terms. I, mm-hmm. I never have, I never will. I'm like the T-Mobile 
you know, I'm like the un MSP. <laughs> I, like the unca- I love John Ledger, by the way. He's one of my favorite CEOs of all time. But that's that's where I would love to see you get to, see everybody get to, because that's what takes your valuation to the higher side of the multiplier oh, yeah. is when you have a higher recurring revenue. And you know we're at higher than that, by the way. Are you really? Oh, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, we're at 87% uh, nice. MRR. Really cool. Now, I will say a caveat with that for me, okay? That's excluding. Now, I don't do any break fix. So when I say MRR, you're awesome. Yeah. When I say yes. MRR, I talk about really, I call it MAR, mm-hmm. monthly agreement revenue, you know, because uh, there's a lot of, I like to put like the Office 365 subscriptions and all the other SaaS stuff kind of off to the side because they're low margin, you mm-hmm. know, and it's sort of like we just need to do those because, and it's a, we have to be that, that one-stop shop. But I also do hardware as a service. I don't really sell equipment. So the other portion of that, you know, really that 25 to 28% is hardware as a service, which is also recurring revenue. Recurring, okay. Yeah, so it's, all, it's really like 90 something percent if you factor that in, you know, mm-hmm. so we're like right at the same area, but I only, counted as like the MAR because that's what I focus on. It's like everything else comes after. Yeah. If you can just land the freaking agreement, everything else will just flow right into it. Exactly. That's how we think about it too. So uh, when we started our transition, we did it in, well, the, the break fix aspect of it for residential, that was gone within a month. Um, it, it was absolutely crazy time for us. Yeah. Um, but we closed down the retail shop, uh, got an office while we were also building a house. So that's not fun. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no stress. Um, Nothing. No stress whatsoever. Um, and so we did that in a month. And then once we did that phase, then um, eventually we got to the point of, well, we started converting clients. Um, and as soon as we had basically that A-list converted, we then cut off all break fix uh, for even businesses, which was terrible. It felt terrible, but we partnered with someone to, I think, to send them to, which was good. It's like ripping off the band-aid or the scab. Yes, yeah. To allow the wound to actually heal. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then we had one more step, which was um, we had like three different plans. And our other step was to get everybody to one single plan. Yeah. It was an all-inclusive, and we started to convert those, leave anyone behind that uh, would not convert to that, and then that's our model today. So we say we operate as a complete internal IT department if you were to outsource it, and that's how we function, where everything is included. Tools. That's cool. Yep. Everything. So it. it was... People but, like choices, but I think the choice that, you know, I've heard a lot say this, you know, why should you have one plan? Because we just have one plan. Yeah, but that one plan looks different, whether it's a complete outsource or whether it's co-managed. Yeah, okay, so if yeah. we're working with internal yeah. IT, it's just a couple of deliverables extracted because they're handling that internally, which right. we function very well because most don't have the cybersecurity competences that, that we do, like CISSP. I mean, we are one of the best in the nation. I'm CIA trained, NSA trained. You know, it's it's different. I talk about myself a lot too. You should also <laughs> put yourself as an authority, put yourself out there. Exactly. But I'm with you. On the other side, it is one plan. What You know, it was... <laughs> It was a phrase and that I heard one time back in the day, and I always reference T-Mobile with this because <laughs> you know, I, I love, they went to no contracts first. They went to one plan and they even called it T-Mobile One first mm-hmm. before everybody else. I mean, then you had AT&T and Verizon come out with, well, we have three unlimited plans. 
Well, what the heck? Unlimited is unlimited. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. If if you have unlimited for your child, that's one thing. If you have unlimited for gaming, that's another. And it's like, what? <laughs> yes, it's it's crazy. It makes no sense. So you had it's like trying to get in the head of the people that will buy from you. What are they going to be able to understand? Mm-hmm. You know, so we just have like you, we just have one plan. That's it. And you're on it because I even got to the point like if that's really what we want people on, because we know that that's really the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. Why I'm going to be really, in? really cheesy at the moment. Do it. It should just go all in. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Hey, look at that. <laughs> you might be a recurring guest. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> so when you're there and you'll be like, hey, we can do all this stuff for you, you know, on our all in plan, you know, whatever it is, you know, but why would you be like, well, I got this crappy bronze piece of junk over here that I could sell you too. You know? Yeah, exactly. You're, you'll come back. You'll need parts replaced and, you know, you're going to definitely need service. So we'll see you in three months, but you can afford it, right? And it's like, no, why would you want that? Exactly. And that's the part that I couldn't get over my head when I, when I moved to MSP from, there was no in between where I had, you know, three plans. I was just, it's the human's first thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, yep. why would I have something that I know is not good for them just to try to gain the revenue? Exactly. It was like an ethical conundrum for me because if I want them on this anyways, and that's my ideal client is to be all in with me, to let me do the best job I possibly can. I can't even do the best for them on this crappy bronze plan thing, yes. tin, whatever you want to call it, some sort of stupid metal. Uh, oh, yeah. oh man. What, what I tell people all the time too, it's um, like whenever we are up against somebody um, that has all the different variables and plans, uh, I'm like, at the end of the day, I don't want you to hate me. I don't want you to get upset with me because I'm telling you that that's not included and that now you have to pay more when you feel like you already pay enough. So to avoid those arguments or those conversations, let's just go all in. (laughs) Yes. I've got a perfect example. And then maybe we can go to a one thing or something. We've been taught, we could probably talk like two hours, you know, this could be, this could be like (laughs) Joe Rogan style. I think, you know, three, four hours on a show. Yeah. I would need some bourbon at that point. Yeah, you know, he brings weed into the mix too. So it's, <laughs> it's where Elon Musk got in trouble. But oh my gosh. So it's another squirrel. This is what happens. <laughs> squirrel. But now, what in the world was I even saying? I just completely I don't know. All I keep thinking about is it's illegal in my state. <laughs> oh, okay. We won't go down that, that road. But <laughs> oh my gosh. Nancy, you're fun. There's got to be one thing that you can leave with everyone today, you know, cause uh, we've talked about a lot, you know, it, it, a lot, a lot. I love how we started with your story, you know, where you came from, what your tattoos mean. And we got all the way into, Hey, this is the only way that you're going to survive for MSPs post COVID. You know, take, take a listen to what's actually saved our butts right now. The good relationships we've had with the, with clients. And the one thing that you're going to give them is, Focus and the focus. <laughs> Go all in. No, <laughs> which one? Um, no. So I, I don't know. So I had a few things as we were talking. I was like, oh, that's the one. Oh, that's the one. But I, I forgot them all. Hey, this is the so, one money thing. <laughs> but I forgot them all. So <laughs> I think the, the one thing that I will leave everyone with is uh, when, when they are considering any kind like if they are in business and they have multiple uh, service offerings let's say whether it's an MSP or not 
you know, focus on what actually brings you one, the most joy, two, what is the most value that you provide, and then three, um, is that something that you can do on a recurring basis so that you can build relationships because that's going to be the key to getting us through this time and any other extreme time after this. That's awesome. So in a word, simplify. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly yeah, you can't get, I'm with you. I love it when some of our industry goes in and we'll do this insanely long assessments and, you know, dive into all the technical points and be like, well, we have this service, you know, because this is how much our help desk costs. Mm -hmm. And we can apply that here. This is how much our network management costs. Mm -hmm. This is how much our backup and disaster recovery costs. We can address this problem right here. Like, well, if you know they need all of them, it's Why just one just thing. <laughs> yes, that's all it is. You yeah. know, and if they're, a lot I understand are too scared of that number. They're too scared of putting that number on the piece of paper. You know, and it, it comes back to if you don't think that person will pay it, you know, like if you don't think that you can charge that much, the person is never going to pay it to begin with. You exactly. have to be confident in your own value that you're bringing to your customer to justify the price that you have because there is no value in being the second lowest price in town. Yeah, exactly. You can exactly. either be the Walmart and be the best price or you can be Apple and be the best thing that's out there and charge a premium for it and never put it on sale. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly how it is. And that's, so for us, that's, we tell people that all the time, we are Apple. Uh, and you know yeah. why? We are a closed environment because that's what it takes in order for it to work. So when people ask us, hey, can you just do this one project for me? We say no, um, unless you have an agreement with us because it, it's not fair to the clients that we already have yeah. and it takes focus away from what we need to do for them. So a, a single project is not worth it to me unless you want to sign an agreement and then we can continue that relationship. Not all Those, revenue is good revenue. Exactly. And so that's, that's one of the things that for us, it's like, it's a closed environment for that reason. It's um, we have the tool sets that we want to use because we know how the, they work the best. We have the standards, the processes, all of these things that together we know are going to work. And because of that, you have to go all in. <laughs> you have to, um, that's, that's the way that Apple does it and it works and you get this experience yeah. that you do with Apple because of that reason. If you don't like your offering and you're not confident selling your own offering because you don't believe in it yourself, there's no way somebody's going to buy it. There's no way you exactly. can justify the price unless you can justify it yourself. Be like, well, this is what it costs. Yeah. This Done. is what it takes. Yep. All in. You're awesome. <laughs> All in. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for coming out. Where can everybody find you on social? I have to leave everyone with that because you're, yeah. you're cool. Um, so you can follow you. <laughs> um, so I typically tend to hang out on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and sometimes Twitter, but I, those characters limits get me. Um, so, <laughs> You're so verbose I, in your tweets. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm at, at Nancy Sabino SCT, um, and then Sabino CompTech for the company. So at Sabino CompTech. That's awesome. Thanks for being on. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out every Monday. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references 
to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. Shoot, we should just start because this is what happens, okay? We get into the pre-show talk, and sometimes there's cool bloopers, but other times we just start talking about stuff you know, that really belongs on the show. You know, you say you can't deal without rice. I was about to say, you know, if I ever had something where I had like a scotch virus or something like that, I would be done. Oh, yeah. No. (laughs) Well, I don't, I'm not a scotch person, but definitely bourbon on my end. And so same thing. Also cool. Exactly. (laughs) Right on.